two really good decisions to make on a day like today. And these are the two things I came up with. One, say yes to Jesus. And secondly, be part of a church service. You've got at least a second of those right this morning. And one of the things I'm praying is that we'll all be people that are saying yes to Jesus this morning. So I know a bunch of you here have already said that. I'm delighted you're here again. Um, But others of you may be here this morning and you've not said yes to Jesus before. I'm equally delighted that you're here. And I hope that what we share together this morning is helpful to you. We're kicking off a new series um, entitled Shaped for More. Uh, We're running this right across the church um, through our Sunday weekend services and through small groups as well. Um, Just to kind of re-emphasize, these are the ways to benefit most from this series. The first thing is to be part of a weekend service every week. Every week. And I know that's a challenge. That may be a a challenge to you. But I really want to encourage you to come along to a weekend service every week between now and Easter. Why don't you put Sunday in your diary? Second thing, be part of a small group that's uh, running the Shape for More course. And I'll talk more specifically about that later. And the third thing, would you be someone who is praying and asking that God would be powerfully at work in your life? during this series. In fact, that's what I want to pray for us all now. Okay? Is that, I'm going to say, is that okay? I've got the mic. Let me just pray for us now. Lord, I want to simply ask that for every one of us here, wherever we are in our lives right now, that in this next season, that you will be powerfully at work in our lives. That you will be speaking purpose over us. That you will be mobilizing us. That you will be uh, revealing our shape to us shaping us, Lord, propelling us into every good thing that you have for our life. And so, Lord, we say yes to your purposes. And Lord, for us this morning, I pray that you would speak now. Lord, guide my words by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the, the human body is utterly amazing. Utterly amazing. You and I are made up of somewhere around about 37 trillion cells. That's a lot. You have an average of 50 billion fat cells in your body. That's not so good. Your heart has about 2 billion muscle cells. And this may surprise you, you are almost identical genetically to the person sat next to you. DNA-wise, you are 99.9% the same as the person sat next to you. Yet, you are utterly there is no one on this planet like you and like me. And I believe that our uniqueness is intentional because we're made on purpose and we're made with a purpose. Why do I believe that? I believe that each of us were created by God. We have an intentional start. And through Jesus, we're invited into an intentional finish. We're invited into eternal life with God. And so because the start is intentional, and the end is intentional, I believe the middle bit is supposed to be intentional as well. We're not invited into a random journey through life, but we're made on purpose. We're made with a purpose. And we're made to experience more. One of the things that I love about Jesus is the way that he invites us into an expansive life. The life that God calls us into is a life that isn't shrinking. It's a life that is expanding. There is always more. And so I want to think about this idea this morning that we are made on purpose. 
if you have a Bible, could you turn to the Psalms? They're round about in the middle. Psalm 139. Be familiar to uh, some of you, maybe many of you, but for others, maybe not. Um, if you've got a tablet or a, a phone, do dial that up. And the words will also come up on the screen in a moment. There they are. I'm going to be reading this morning from the message version of the Bible. Um, so some of the words will be maybe not what you were expecting. They'll have a freshness to them. So this is from verse 1 of Psalm 139. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much. Too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? To be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, Oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they are all the same to you. Oh yes, you shaped me first, inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. Say that to yourself right now. What a creation. Whatever shape you're in. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I even lived one day. Extraordinary. Written by David. Has an incredible depth in it. One that we're just going to skim today. But you'll be really welcome. In fact, I'd encourage you to do this. Why don't you take this psalm home with you? And you could spend every day this week just meditating on a couple of verses. And meditating is simply taking time. Letting it saturate upon you. Into you. So I'm going to just share four thoughts with us this morning. And I've phrased them personally to encourage us to say these things to ourselves. Okay? So that's why I've phrased them the way that I have. The first thing is that God knows me. God knows me. The first four verses. Let me just pull out a few phrases. He says, I'm an open book to you. The NIV version says it this way. It says, you know me. And that word for know is the same word that you get earlier in the, in, for example, in Genesis, where Adam knew Eve and they had a baby. Okay? Adam knew Eve and they had a baby. It's an intimate knowing. 
if you've seen the Avatar films, you know the, with those big blue guys? They will say something like this, it's, I see you. And it was more than, I can see you're physically present, it's, I know you, I'm looking into you. It's that sense in this verse. God knows you and me, he sees us. Then he says, you know what I'm thinking. You know, our best thoughts and our ugliest thoughts are all known by God. There's no hiding. He says, you know when I leave and when I get back. So think about that this morning. God knows what your journey to church was like this morning. He knows the struggle you had getting your kids dressed. He knows the disagreement or the argument you might have had with your spouse about whether you were even going to go to church this morning. Um, He knows the journey that you've had, and he knows what awaits us when we get back home again. He knows. And then he says, you know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. Some of us don't know what we're going to say before we start the first sentence, but God does. God knows me. Do something a little bit different at this point. Why don't you just say that out loud with me as we start? God knows me. Then the psalm goes on, verse 5. He says, I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there too. And then in verse 7 he says, is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? And then he answers that question. The answer, bottom line, is no. It doesn't matter how high or low I go in life, I cannot get away from God's presence. So the second thing I want to share is simply this. God is with me. God is with me. And I love what he then goes on to say in verse 12. He says, darkness isn't dark to you. Darkness isn't dark to you. God is with us even in the darkest places. And you know, our world has some pretty dark places, doesn't it? I I hope you've been following the news this week. High school in Parkland, Florida. Dark place. Very dark place. You know, our world is utterly broken. Utterly broken by sin. Our lives are dead because of sin. But into darkness comes light. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And there is a day coming when all of the darkness will be made light. But until that day, Jesus is still present. You can't go anywhere away from his spirit. I'll do the same thing again. Why don't you say out loud to yourself, God is with me. God is with me. Then the psalm goes on. I'm on verse 13. He says this, he says, You formed me in my mother's womb. I am marvelously made. What a creation. You are amazing. I hope you know that. You may need to say that to yourself again this morning. You are utterly amazing. And then the psalmist says, You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. What is he saying? Third thing. God made me on purpose. God made me on purpose. You are not an accident. You are not an accident. Some of you here may have been a surprise to your parents. Okay? 
I was. My parents didn't think they could have children. So whilst you might have been a surprise to your parents, you were not a surprise to God. He put you together. We're created beings made by God, made on purpose. Now, a question that might come into your mind at this point is what about those people that are born with some kind of physical or mental disability? It's a good question to ask when we come across texts like this. You know, I was looking up stats in the week, somewhere a little bit over 2% of babies born in the UK have a birth defect. A little over 2%. So the question we need to ask is, did God plan that? Was that his purpose? And that is a massive question. That is a question that I'm not going to be able to deal with in any sense of adequacy this morning. But it is a really good question. And one of the things that I am convinced of is that we all need to develop good theology. We need to develop some really good theology around the topics of pain and suffering and evil in this world. Let me give you an example of some really bad theology. This was tweeted out by a very prominent church leader this past week to his 312,000 followers. He says, depression as a result of spiritual starvation, overcome depression by immersing yourself in God's Word. Basically, if you read the Bible, everything will get better eventually. If you have ever experienced depression, you will know how crap that statement is. How not in good theology that is. Now, Reading the Bible, I believe, is always going to be helpful to you. But we do live with broken bodies, and there is pain and suffering and evil in this world, and we need to develop some good theology that helps us to uh, get a grip and a handle on these things. Now, for us in the vineyard, we have been really helped by our kingdom theology. And everything is intended for good in our world, but it has been broken. But the big story of the Bible is that Jesus is making everything new again. That is the destination. And sometimes we see it now, and sometimes we see it not yet. The now and the not yet of God's kingdom, but it will happen. Everything will be made new again. But even now, what Paul writes to us in Romans chapter 8 is that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, even in the middle of a broken world. So God made me on purpose. And why don't you say that to yourself? God made me on purpose. Fourth thing. God made me with a purpose. God made me with a purpose. The last couple of verses that we read, let me pull out a couple of phrases from those. He says, I was sculpted from nothing into something. I love the way that the message presents that to us. I was made from, sculpted from nothing into something. You know, we say at funerals, don't we? Dust to dust. We start from dust, we go back to dust. Right? Chemically, we're a bunch of carbon atoms, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, and a few other things, but, but that's, that's the essence of who we are. But look at you now. Look at you now. Sculpted from nothing 
into something. And that should tell us something. That should tell you that you have been made with purpose. And then in verse 16, he writes this, The days of my life all prepared before I've even lived one day. All the days of my life prepared. I don't believe that means we're to live with a kind of pay-sera-sera, whatever will be, will be kind of attitude. But actually, we can discover purpose in life. You know, people often talk about, don't they, about finding themselves? And that's okay. But what really excites me, and what I think is really worthwhile, is when we discover our God-given purpose. Not when we just find ourselves, but when we find what God has for us. Because that releases us into our divine destiny. Some of you will have read this uh, book by Rick Warren, entitled The Purpose Driven Life. Have you written, have you read that book? Some of you read it? It is one of the best-selling Christian books ever. In fact, I think other than the Bible, it is the highest-selling non-fiction book ever written. It's sold 30-plus million copies. The subtitle of the book is this, What on Earth Am I Here For? And that is a really good question. What on earth am I here for? And so that's very much at the heart of this Shape for More series that we're starting today. What we're looking at and what this course is designed to do is to help us to explore this question. What on earth am I here for? And from this perspective that God always has more for us. His life is expansive and His Spirit is creative. Now this course is not just about self-discovery. If that's all it does, we will have failed. It's about discovering more of what on earth we're here for and with God's help, doing those things. Pressing into his purposes, not an intellectual exercise, but actually enabling and empowering us to fully embrace God's purposes for our lives. So, how can you benefit both from this series? Let me just recap again. Commit to being part of a weekend service every week through the course of this series. That's up to Easter. It's only seven weeks. Give it a go. Give it a go. Second thing is be part of a small group. And that's what I want to just dig into a little bit now. Um, We have prepared some special videos and some materials that are only going to be made available through small groups. So that is just one of the reasons to be part of a small group during this season, uh, because otherwise we're just going to miss out on half of the content of this season. But let me just give you a couple of other reasons why being part of a small group is incredibly important. I read a couple of articles this past week, uh, which I found really interesting, and I'll I'll, um, share them with you happily. The first was a summary um, of 148 scientific studies. So this covered around about 309,000 participants across these studies. And what they found was that your chances of survival in life is increased 50% if you have strong social relationships. The extent to which you are connected to other people is directly directly related to how well you're going to do in life and actually how long you're going to survive, how long you're going to live. And the second thing, I watched a TED Talk. Are you familiar with TED Talks? Fabulous resource. Uh, This was run by a lady called Susan Pinker. Uh, She's a development psychologist and an author, and her talk was entitled, 
The secret to living longer may be your social life. And it's a really interesting talk. It's about 15 minutes long. You can get it on YouTube. And these are just some of the things that she presented in this talk. The first thing, she went to Sardinia. So that's an island just off the coast of Italy. And in, on that island, there are six times more 100-year-olds, centenarians, than there are on the Italian mainland, just 200 miles away. Six times more 100-year-olds. And in fact, there are 10 times more 100-year-olds on that island than there are in North America, proportionally. And so the question is, why? Why would that be? And it cannot apparently be explained by genetics. And the main reason that people have found is because of extremely high social inclusion and cohesion that you find on Sardinia. They were just amazed by the way that they always found people around dinner tables. That elderly, elderly people were always being looked after by several generations of their family. That their neighbours were all looking out for them. And it had a great impact on their lives. Susan Pinker then also looked at factors that are going to reduce your chances of dying the most. In other words, what's the most impactful thing on your chances of surviving? And this is the list that runs, can we click to the next slide? That runs from the bottom. So clean air, I'm going to, you can read them all through. Clean air has some impact. Um, hypertension medication, a little bit more than weight, uh, exercise, cardiac rehab, flu vaccine, Actually, interestingly, it's, it's more indicative of longer life than exercise. Don't tell your GP. Uh, quitting excessive smoking or uh, quitting boozing. But then right at the top, close relationships. In other words, having people that you can turn to if you're a bit short at the end of the month and something goes wrong, someone that you could turn to. Someone, if you've got a hospital appointment and you couldn't get there, someone that you could turn to and say, hey, could you give me a lift? And social integration, the extent that we are connected with people day by day through our lives. They are highly influential factors in terms of your mortality. And then she asked the question, or presented this thing, in the developed world, women on average live six to eight years longer than men. The question was, why? Why? And the reason seems to be that women are more likely to promote face-to-face -face interactions with other people than men do. That, that, was, that was what was pointed to, that women are more likely to promote face-to-face -face interactions. And one of the things he did is to compare face-to-face -face interactions with digital interactions. Now, this is not anything against social media. I actually quite enjoy social media. But the, the, the challenge biochemically is that you don't get the same impact. Face-to-face -face interaction causes this cascade of neurotransmitters, of oxytocin, of dopamine, that social, uh, that social media just doesn't do for your brain and for the rest of your body. And so what they found is that these face-to-face -face interactions are protective to our physical and mental well-being. Really interesting studies that were being presented. Two comments that she made really stood out to me. The first thing she said was, Social isolation is the biggest public health risk of our time. Social isolation. Huge public health risk. And the second thing, she says, we each need to build a social village. It's a matter of life and death. 
Am I making my point? It is incredibly important. So, besides from helping you follow Jesus well, actually, just do it as a favor to your physical and mental well-being. To be a part of a group with some other people, physically present with them. You see, the primary way that we build social villages in this church is through being part of a small group. It is vital if you want to do life well. It is vital if you want this church to work well for you. You need to be part of a social village, a circle, a small group. So this series, Shape for More, kicks off this week in small groups. Today is the day to sign up to a group if you've not already done so, or if you're not in a group right now that is running this series. So there are a bunch of um, new groups that have um, that are going to be starting this week. I think there's a ten or so new groups where people have said, I'll host a group for this series. So there are those groups, as well as uh, a bunch of pre-existing groups that are going to be running um, this course.